you're thankful for our choir. Give them one more round of applause. We're so thankful for all who've led us in worship today, and we want to continue in worship through God's Word. And so, if you would open your Bibles to 1 John, verse, chapter 1, verse 5, we'll be there in just a moment as we consider how we can glow for Christ. Everything was quiet, formless, void. Darkness covered everything. And whoosh, something goes by. A voice booms into the void and says, let there be light. And there was. Light filled up the darkness. That light, God Almighty. Before long, because of sin, disobedience, malice, and bitterness, and selfish gain, darkness entered the world again. The serpent lied. Eve bites Adam too. And darkness begins to spiral. Cain kills, Abel dies, and darkness reigns. And then the light comes through the line of Seth. We fast forward, and Israel marches, and the giant one pushes back, and it seems darkness will prevail. The boy approaches representing the light. He rears back and whoosh, the light conquers. Not for long, the king that once was a boy looked. She gives in. Eventually her husband dies and darkness reigns again. Again and again and again, light will come in and light up the darkness, and darkness seems to have its way, and then light will shine again. This continuous cycle throughout Scripture, throughout Old Testament Scripture. And finally, in heaven, something changes and the little lights aren't enough. The little lights of Moses and Aaron and Abraham and David aren't enough to shine bright enough. And so the true light must come. A baby cries. Light has dawned. Emmanuel, God, the light, is with us. Religious darkness pushed against him. Crucify him, they said. It seems 
that light too died. And in the darkness of those three days, light breaks through on the third. He's alive. But when he ascends to heaven, he tells the followers, the helper will come and they are to be filled with his light and they will shine his light, the light. And their light did shine and the light of Christ and the Holy Spirit shines in us and sparks inside each one who hears their message and believes. And the final friend, the final follower, John, is nearing the end of his life. He writes these words. 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and we are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think we see pretty clearly that God is light. And though darkness at times seems as if it is reigning and prevailing, he shines so bright. And then the fact that you and I are to walk in the same light and walk in Him leads us to be the light to the world. Can I just say for a moment, perhaps, the world is so dark because our light is so dim. Perhaps the light is as, or the world is as dark as it is because the light of Christ that you and I are to reflect is not shining as brightly as it should. Perhaps you and I are not walking in the light the way we ought to be. thought a lot about that lately. We get so caught up in so many things if we're not careful. We get caught up in interpersonal issues. We get caught up with concerns about our 
family members and our loved ones and maybe the things they're doing. We get caught up with our jobs and the challenges and the difficulties there. You know, I've got four kids, so I often get caught up in what in the world did I do wrong or am I ruining them or, you know, we get caught up in all these things. I'm not saying that we should shirk our responsibilities. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be concerned about the things we're in. But what if, what if we would just concern ourselves more with basking in who God is? Walking with Him. What if when we sing, when we sing worship songs, it talked about the splendor of the King. We just didn't care what anybody else thought we'd sing as loud as we could and as exuberantly as we could because we are so thankful that this king this God this holy God shines his light on you and me and he wants to what if we could just get caught up in that as much as or more than we get caught up in all the other stuff? You see, everything that we busy ourselves with, everything that we concern ourselves with, everything that we get lost in, everything that we just get all wrapped up in and all up in a tizzy about are merely distractions Distractions keeping our eyes off of the thing that matters most, Christ Jesus and his love and his mercy and, and realizing and knowing who our God is. And could we, could we just say, Lord, I'm so caught up in all this stuff, but Lord, I want to be caught up in you. Would you help all those things to fade away? so that I can bask in your light, so that I can walk with you, Lord. I hope today, next few minutes that we have, to show from this scripture that we've already read how we can walk with him. And when we do, what that does in our lives. So I hope that you will be mindful of how you can walk with him today. Number one, we walk in the realization that we too need Jesus' cleansing. I'm skipping ahead here in the verse. Normally I'll go you know, one verse to the next, and I'm, I'm skipping all the, way ahead, all the way ahead to verse 9 because I think it's very important for us to to begin here, even though that's not where John begins. Because what happens is that the reason we get caught up in ourselves and we get caught up in all the things that are going around in our lives and going on in our lives is that we oftentimes do not realize the desperate state we would be in if God didn't shine his light into our lives. We, we think pretty highly of ourselves 
We think, well, I haven't done that, and I haven't been that way, and I haven't lived as they have lived, and they're n- I'm not struggling, nor have I ever struggled in that way. And we become the Holy Spirit in a way, our own Holy Spirit. And we start pointing out the sins in others, and the failures in others, and the deficiencies in others. And really what we ought to do is look in the mirror and say, you need to be the one who is changing and cleansed and your sin was just as bad and your wrongs were just as bad and see the light reveals and when we turn on the light the things that we see that we need to change in our life become more aware to us and so maybe we should stop at looking at everyone else and start by looking at our own lives and realize I wouldn't be here had God not done something miraculous in my life to get me here. You see, what the Scripture clearly teaches throughout is that that there is no one righteous, no, not one, no one deserving of their own goodness or their own righteousness. None of us are deserving of God's grace and mercy and love and kindness. All we, too, have gone astray, each to his own way. You and I were sinners in need of a Savior just like everyone else in the world. And if we would realize and we would walk in the light, it's not a moment of of guilt. It's not a moment of, oh my goodness, look at all that I've done wrong. That is from Satan. He's the accuser. But if we would walk in the light, then we would be grateful. We'd be grateful that God already saved us and that he's able to continually cleanse us when we've done wrong. If we would first realize and acknowledge our own sinfulness and our own dependency upon Jesus and his grace day by day, then perhaps it'd be easier for us to be grace-filled for those in our lives that need his grace just as much as us if we'd realize our own wrongs and our own deficiencies first and our dependency upon the Lord to cleanse us and forgive us, then perhaps we'd be willing to forgive the seemingly unforgivable. Perhaps then we'd be willing to overlook people's wrongs and love them in the midst of where they're at, whatever they're struggling with or whatever difficulty is going on in their lives. Paul, or John says, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We have to realize we have all sinned. We all continually need Jesus in our lives. Second thing we see is that we walk in the realization that Jesus can forgive anyone's sin. We walk in the realization that Jesus can forgive anyone's sin 
Verse 9 tells us that our sins can be forgiven because He is light and He can clean. He has the power to forgive. Realizing your need for forgiveness is the first step and realizing that there's no other way for your sin to be forgiven than by Jesus' blood, that's the key. See what we, if, if we allow Christ's light to shine in our lives, we become aware, number one, that we are sinful, but we become aware that the only hope anyone has is to trust in Jesus. Just because everything else is, is darkness. I hope it was effective. It, it came to me as I was prepared for this. I thought it was somewhat creative. But to, to trace the idea of light invading the darkness throughout the history of, 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 of mankind from the very beginning all the way to David and then kind of hitting highlights all along. I think the, the primary reason for that, for me to do that, was to remind you that everything else around us is dark and the only true light is Christ. That's what Dave, uh, John is saying here as he says, we know this, that God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. The only hope the world has, the only hope anyone has, is that they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and that his blood is applied to their account and that they be saved by him. We, you and I, don't need to go out and be necessarily sociologists or psychologists and tell people that they can just try better and do harder, or do harder and try better, and uh, just, you know, try to go to church more, read the Bibles more, and do this religious act. That's not helpful to anyone. You and I, because of the light of Christ and because of this gospel message, need to have boldness, but bold, bold kindness to go to people and say, you are a sinner, and so was I. And the only thing, you live in darkness, and the only thing that can cleanse you from your sin the only thing that can save you, the only thing that can illuminate you, the only thing that gives you any hope is Jesus. It's Jesus' blood shed for you on the cross that he didn't deserve. Because you did deserve it, he took it on himself so that it would replace the punishment you did deserve. And if you would trust in him, he'd save you. We know that's good news. The world, maybe not, but... It shouldn't, it shouldn't change the fact that we need to go tell that. The darkness will leave people empty and void and formless and, and destined, destined for punishment. But Christ, the light shining, the blood spilled, that is what saves. That is the hope we have. That's the hope that we share. And it should give you and I confidence that Jesus saves people every day. 
The blood of Christ is applied to people every day, and so they enter from death into life. They enter from darkness into light every day. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 is that the gospel is the power of, of uh, it's the power of the gospel. It's the power that you and I share with them. It's the power to save them. And so we should have confidence that we know that Jesus can forgive anyone's sin. The third thing we see is that we walk in a way that fellowships with believers and seeks relationships with unbelievers. Verse 7 tells us we have fellowship with one another if we walk in His light. We have something that brings us close together closer together than even being biological family. We've all sinned egregiously and God has forgiven graciously. But it can't stop there. We must find others to make this known unto them. This series is called Glow, and, and though we're looking at scriptures that talk about light and darkness, I, you may have caught on to that already. We've got one more week, and we'll do the same thing next week. But at the same time, we're, we're looking at the word glow, and each letter represents another idea. Last week, we told you that G represents getting started with prayer, that prayer is essential for you and I to share the gospel. We need to begin with prayer and say, God, who do you want me to shine your light to? Number one. Number two, we pray for them that God would give us opportunity to show them. But then we don't just stop with prayer. Prayer is important. Prayer is essential. We believe that nothing significant happens without prayer. You've got to start with prayer, but you've got to continue to pray while you actually do something in their lives. And the L represents listen and learn. Number one, what, uh, listen. We want to find people that are in our circles, and there's a display out here. I encourage you to go get a tag and think about people who are in your life who God has placed there that don't know the Lord. Begin praying for them, but also begin listening to them. Get to know them. Listen to their story. Listen to what God is. Listen to what has happened in their life. Listen to the fact that God is bringing them this, bringing them up into this point where you are to be the one who shares with them. And so, listen. We often begin in our conversations with people with arguments. Let me tell you what you ought to believe. Let me tell you this. But really, we ought to begin with prayer, trust God, and then as God brings people into our presence, into our circle, we begin to listen to them and learn about them and learn about their lives so that we can be more effective in how we share with them. And that's what we are to do. We are, we are to celebrate and understand that God has placed us all together. We have fellowship with one another, but we want more people to be brought into this fellowship. And that's our jobs to go out and to share. So the L is listen and learn, and then the O is organize a meal. So get started with prayer, listen and learn about their lives, organize a meal. Did you know this is the example Jesus gave? Jesus gave the example of of, of Meeting with, and he would oftentimes get in trouble for this with, with the Pharisees and with the religious leaders. They would find him oftentimes eating a meal with what they deemed the sinners and the prostitutes. And that was the reputation Jesus had is that he would go and he would have a meal with these people. How dare he? 
How dare he, according to the religious leaders? Jesus went to see Zacchaeus. You remember that story? The Zacchaeus was a wee, we have a little song about it, right? He was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see, right? Well, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was anathema, according to everyone in the community. No one liked him. No one cared for anybody that was a tax collector. And so he was shunned and disowned. And he did some things he shouldn't have to earn that reputation. But Jesus comes, and out of the whole crowd there, he comes to his appointment with Zacchaeus, that Zacchaeus didn't even know about. And he says, Zacchaeus, take me to your house. We're going to eat today at your house. And it was at that meal that Zacchaeus came to trust Christ and change his life and repent and turn. You see, oftentimes a meal lets people's guards down, right? We learn about them, we care for them, we show them. Organize a meal, bring them in, find a way to build a relationship with them. It takes intentionality, it takes effort, it takes money, it takes thought and planning. These are, this is the next step. You know, I mean, it's kind of easy if you already have someone in your circle. To pray for them, that's easy. That's pretty easy to do. It's, it's pretty easy also to get to know them and listen and learn about their lives. But then you take it to the organizing meal step, and then all of a sudden, you've got to make an investment. And that's what this is about. We're encouraging you not just to pray for those people. I want you to do that. I want you to put tags out there. But if all you're going to do, of all you only plan to do is only pray for them and don't do these other things, then I would encourage you to really think about that and pray about that and think about what you could do intentionally to make a difference in these people's lives, to organize a meal, to, to make an investment in their lives. I'll tell you what W means next week, so you got to come back, all right? A great way to get to know someone is to do so over food. It was how Jesus ministered to those without the light. And we can learn to do the same. The final thing we see in this passage, we're almost done. As we walk in Jesus so we can intentionally demonstrate his vibrant light to all we meet. That was the goal of being in the light. Not to keep it for ourselves, but to shine it brightly for all to see. The goal of being in the light and walking with Jesus is so that we can find ways to shine his light into the lives of others. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, his light hasn't yet shined on you, you've not trusted him as Savior, I would encourage you today to do that today. Don't, don't wait. You can come here. In front, I'd love to share with you, but we also have folks standing at a next steps desk, just a table, and just a moment at the end of the service. I encourage you to go. If that's more your style and you want to talk to someone there, they're prepared to do that. They had many of you come last week and, and uh, try to think about ways to get involved and get connected, and there's those opportunities as well. If you want to take any next step, you can come talk to me or you can go to those next step tables. We encourage you to do that. But I also want you to think about the people in your circle. I want you to visit that display outside on your way out. And I want you to begin to pray for them. Place a tag on the wall there and 
Begin lifting them up in prayer, but then also find ways that you can listen and learn and that you can organize a meal. You can make that investment in their lives so that the, sh- the light will shine into their lives and prayerfully they will come to know Christ because of your being the light in their life. Let's pray and then we will close. God, we love you. We praise you, Lord. I pray you work in our lives today as we sing of your ways and as we worship you here in just a moment, God, I pray that you would help us to make an intentional step to really think through how we can serve, how we can find ways to to pray, but to get to know people and to make an intentional investment in their lives so that they might come to know you as Savior. Lord, I pray that you would work in us all, Lord, to help us to realize that we were sinners and you've cleansed us and we have the opportunity to let others know so they can be cleansed too. Would you help us to glow? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? As you stand, we're going to sing and pray that God is moving. If he's moving in your heart, you be obedient to him.